This program is brought to you from Wisconsin Eyes Margaret Farrow Studio. Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh. An unlikely pair of Wisconsin legislators continue to advocate on an issue many wouldn't see as bipartisan, the rights of undocumented immigrants. Specifically, Republican Representative John Mako and Democrat Representative Sylvia Ortiz-Velez last, last December introduced a package of bills that would support deferred action for childhood arrivals or DACA recipients. Those bills haven't reached a floor vote, but the bill authors have not given up hope. Today on Newsmakers, we welcome Representative Mako and Representative Ortiz-Velez. Thank you for joining Newsmakers. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having us. Well, the two of you are like role models for bipartisanship. Uh, we'll get to talking about the bills you've introduced, but I have to ask, you know, some might be wondering, what does a Milwaukee area Democrat have in common with a Green Bay area Republican? Representative Mako, what, what would you say is the answer to that? Well, first of all, Lisa, I, I, that's not true at all. Um, uh, Sylvia and I get along on most issues, as I do with Goyke. I'm, I'm, I've got several bills that I'm working with with Goyke on right now. Secretary Barca, I consider a good personal friend. He called me on my birthday and wished me a happy birthday. We have lunch on a monthly basis. So I think that's sadly uh, the dichotomy uh, that uh, some in the press would like to propagate. But the reality is on many, many things, we do get along, and this happens to be one of those things. Uh, Sylvia and I absolutely agree on that we've got to do a better job with the existing residents that we have here and, 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 and enhance our economy all at the same time. So I would say that it's much more common than, than many folks would be led to believe. So Representative Ortiz-Velez, what would you say brought the two of you together on this issue? How did you, who approached to, how did you decide this was an issue you wanted to work on with Representative Mako? Well, actually, um, Representative Mako has been working for some time, even in last session, on trying to get um, police parity bill through. Um, so that's when I first knew that he was interested in this topic. Um, and then we had discussions and we were, you know, discussing the need for workforce development and the need for filling, you know, uh, a huge shortage that we have for workforce uh, in our workforce in our state. And you know, and then thinking about, you know, what other things that uh, DACA recipients can do. So really, honestly, you know, um, Mako was really taking the lead even even before this session, but even going back last session. And that's kind of really how we started, you know, um, getting engaged with each other is having the discussion on, you know, you know, why are we letting the investments we're making, you know, go to, you know, other states benefit, you know, from the investments that we're making in, you know, human capital, you know, many, uh, you know, uh, DACA recipients have come here at a young age. And as um, <clears throat> as you know, um, many of them are going to have gone to high school here, middle school, grade school. So Wisconsin has really invested in them. And, you know, it, we started talking about, you know, the loss of, you know, um, the, the shortage of labor um, in our state and losing that 
at losing our investments to other states. So. so before we get a little further into the specific legislation, let's make sure our viewers know a little bit more around the background on the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals or DACA program. We have a couple of slides we'll be showing. In 2012, President Obama signed the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals or DACA program into law. DACA temporarily protects some immigrant children, those brought to the U.S. before the age of 16 from deportation. They are often referred to as dreamers. Uh, DACA does not establish a path to citizenship for this group. There are about 5,500 DREAMers in Wisconsin currently. The program is right now under a court challenge. It is closed to new applicants. Also, DACA recipients have to meet some strict eligibility requirements and renew their eligibility every two years. They must be enrolled in school, have graduated, or serve in the military. They also must maintain a clean criminal record and undergo regular background checks. Representative Mako, what do you think is the biggest misconception about DACA recipients? So I just want to go back and, and to key on what uh, Sylvia had said. The genesis of this really came, uh, keep in mind that our family businesses employ about five, 600 people in multiple states. And so we don't, we, we're, we, we have a job to do and we will have um, um, Biden stickers and Trump stickers. We will have um, uh, Greenpeace stickers and NRA stickers in par on cars in our parking lots. And guess what? We don't care. Do you buy into our vision and are you willing to do the work? And the best idea always wins. And so this came to my attention by our former chief of police here in Green Bay, who uh, both our chief, the current chief and our former chief are both formerly from Los Angeles. And so they have an idea what it takes to build a quality, diverse police force. And they came to me and they said, John, we want to talk to you about this and understand in the state of Wisconsin already, Lisa, um, DACA recipients can can function as DNR agents and carry weapons. They can function in the military. They can function as uh, state troopers. They can function. Um, which one am I missing, Sylvia? Um, they can they can function as DNR, uh, wardens, DNR, game wardens, and correction officers. And so, yep, DNR and and corrections officers. Because of the way these are 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 guided in the state, that language is slightly different as it relates to local police officers. And so all our police parity bill said, it didn't say you can hire DACA, it said it, it, it just made parity to those police. So our police chief said, hey, look, if you want me to hire a police force that looks like the people that I'm, I'm now responsible for, can you let me please do that? And we're very fortunate that that young man that we were talking to, uh, he was still, is still not able to be a local law enforcement, but he is serving reliably right now as a state trooper. He, uh, uh, as soon as that first ran about two and a half years ago, uh, the state troopers immediately called him and go, hey, we can hire you. We'd love to hire you. And he went through the whole program. But you're absolutely right. These folks are extremely vetted. And for anyone who's ever hired any people, it is extremely hard to hire people. And there are very, very stringent limits on things that you can or cannot ask in an interview. And so when I looked at all of the uh, hoops that these DACA recipients have to go through every two years, um, it was staggering to me. The 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 NRA, uh, the uh, excuse me, the, uh, uh, the 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 folks that do the vetting on this know more about these folks than you can ever even legally ask in an interview. So I look at it and go, my gosh, I would love if I've got somebody that wants to be in this country so bad that they are willing to go through all of that and subject them to that type of, of uh, investigation every two years and pay $500 for the privilege of doing it. 
and pay social security and pay all the rest of their payroll taxes and have to have graduated high school and can have no felonies or very few misdemeanors. Um, it's absolutely stunning. They have to submit their financial information to these folks, their work employment history, their, their place of uh, uh, residence, everything. So guess what? You would know absolutely everything about these people. And we're fortunate. Some of these folks are now serving in the Wisconsin legislature, Representative uh, 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 Kitchens. Kitchens. Uh, staffer is a DACA recipient. He first interned in my office. Um, and then when he went full time, he went to work for them. And this is these are amazing people. So again, I'm sitting there looking and going, well, wait a minute, if these folks are here. And I think the overriding thing, Lisa, is keep in mind that we have long held in this country that we do not hold children responsible for the crimes of their parents. And these kids did nothing wrong. These are kids who've never lived anywhere else. And uh, so Sylvia and I looked at that and go, well, wait a minute. How can we go ahead and do this? Now, I want to also tell you one other thing, and I may be stealing all your questions. Keep in mind, crazy when you said before it's a bipartisan thing. You know, it is a bipartisan thing. This is not a left issue or a right issue, because guess what? Alabama, Tennessee, Utah, crazy liberal states like that have already put these, these policies in place, and Wisconsin needs to do it next. Representative Ortiz Velez, what do you think is the biggest misconception about DACA recipients? Why haven't we implemented some of these changes already in Wisconsin, like uh, Representative Mako said? I, I think just um, understanding that, you know, the average age of a person that came here was seven. And, you know, really, you know, where did you have what decision did you have on where you lived at the age of seven? So just really understanding the situation that people are facing and the fact that we have labor shortages and we have people who want to work and we need the labor to work and so the workforce and so i mean it it's really makes good business sense I, I think um a lot of people didn't know all the other things that they weren't allowed to do and then i would also like to say that they are also serving in our military as well so we certainly trust them to you know protect us our nation so i certainly don't see a reason why we can't trust them to protect our streets to, to me, Lisa, the, the number one misconception really comes from some folks who don't bother, who are ignorant about the actual issue. And so they look at it and they think, and, and so they obfuscate this conversation about these 600,000 finite group of people with the entire problem that we have with immigration. And it is a problem. There is no question about it, but we are very careful to recognize that this is not an immigration discussion. That is a totally separate discussion that does need to be rectified. But that's the answer to your question is the misconception is that we are now somehow giving these folks something they don't already have. And that's just categorically not true. These kids have never gotten anything. In fact, by law, they're not able to get uh, Social Security benefits. They're not able to get unemployment benefits. They're not able to get um, any student aid, period. Nothing. They get nothing. And they're not asking for anything. They just want the ability to work and function and change the course of their um, of their legacy. And so that's probably the misconception that somehow or another, this is a loophole that's gonna propagate more immigration. They don't re recognize that this is a closed group of people, that it is not gonna uh, exacerbate illegal immigration at all. And I think that's the answer to your question. There seems to be a misunderstanding as to exactly who these people are, what they are up to, and what they have available to them. 
Well, let's talk about the, a little bit more about the proposed legislation. Uh, Representative Mako, you brought up AB 51 that you introduced almost a year ago. It'll be in March. That's awaiting its way through the Senate right now. But the bills that you introduced together as a package in December include uh, AB 820, which creates a $250 non-refundable income tax credit for Wisconsin residents who are DACA recipients. AB 821 allows DACA recipients to be eligible for in-state tuition in the University of Wisconsin system. And then AB 822 would allow DACA recipients to receive occupational credentials for certain professions in Wisconsin, like nursing, teaching, plumbing, various professions that we have a shortage for in Wisconsin. Representative ortiz Velez, why these three policy areas. What what are were your policy goals in focusing on those three bills in December? I mean, they, they all focus on workforce development. So they all are focusing on creating economic opportunities for f- families um, and also filling those work shortages that we so direly need here in Wisconsin. Um, and so th- they all kind of complement each other. Um, and um, you know, How do we uh, compare to our other states in these areas? I know Representative Mako brought that up a little bit. He said uh, that other states maybe are doing a better job of supporting DACA recipients. Yes, um, and I don't know the statistics. Um, Representative Mako, do you happen to know how many states um, are already doing, I think it's about 15 or 18 states that are already doing in-state tuition um, and occupational licensing. I know, and, 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 and they're not all blue states. <laughs> Some of them are red states. Um, so I know the point of these bills are also not only to um, utilize the 5,500 people that we already have here in Wisconsin, but it's also to attract others to come to Wisconsin because um, we want to be a magnet for um, DACA recipients all across our state. We need more recipients to move to our state of Wisconsin. That's right. And I have boldly said, and again, maybe to the chagrin of folks that uh, uh, that disagree with me, um, that I completely agree with what Sylvia just said right there. The, our goal, and in fact, when you look at the first three bills, the one is just makes for common sense is that um, the police parity bill, all that does is it, it says, look, we're just going to, to, to make sure that the language in all these various organizations, whether it's the Department of Justice, whether it's the Department of Transportation, Department of Natural Resources that guide these various agencies that it all reads the same and that's all that does um on the on the uh, tuition bill it's absolutely ridiculous that we have folks that have lived here for 18 or 20 years and they still do not qualify for intake tuition and the funny part is lisa is if they are a resident of the state of minnesota then via reciprocity, they can qualify for in-state tuition. So that's just comically stupid, and we need to get that fixed. And then as far as the licensing piece is concerned, uh, Representative Ortiz and I have met all kinds of smart, aggressive, young, dynamic people who are graduating from nursing school, going to plumbing uh, apprenticeship programs, who now are about to graduate, and guess what? They have to go to another state to get that license and work just about the time they are about to become super productive and become great taxpayers for the state of Wisconsin. We're booting them out. And that's nuts. And that's exactly what uh, Representative Ortiz was talking about. We've invested uh, 12 years of education in folks. And now all of a sudden we're going, thanks, but no thanks. Nuts. As far as the tax piece goes, that's just me. I was irritated as all get out because I'm thinking to myself, this is just, I was getting madder by the minute as I looked at it and I go, wait a minute, 
when when I sat down with Marco, who interned in my office and now is in Representative Kitchen's office, and he brought in all the paperwork and the three-month process he has to go through every two years, I was outraged. It is a terrible, terrible program. And I was outraged. And I go, wait a minute, then we charge you $500 for the privilege? I go, you know what? Let's throw that in there. I want to give you half of that back for that reason. I would love it if all 600,000 DACA recipients would move to Wisconsin, because guess what? We'd get them licensed and we'd get them to work and they'd be great. Representative Marco, you know, all these bills have bipartisan support. They have support in both chambers of the legislature. There's even great lobby support uh, for these bills, yet only one of the bills, uh, the ones that were introduced in December AB 822, the Occupational License Bill, has received a hearing in committee. Are the times running out in this legislative session? Are are these bills, do you have hope that these bills can make it across the finish line or are they on life support? Like there's a lot of bills that are in the queue here left in this session. What do you say about that? I think it's important to recognize the reality of what's going on. And Lisa, you've been pinched in some of this stuff over years too, is that anytime we get down to the last month of, of, of business here, um, stuff starts to fall through the cracks. And um, on top of that, I have never seen in the 10 years I have served an environment of so much hostility and animosity as we have now between the East Wing and 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 our wing and um and i think it's a shame because like i say i work well with representative ortez i work very well with with uh, uh representative uh, mcguire and and uh, representative goike um and former senator taylor who is now a judge and i texted her when she was appointed and congratulated her and she uh thanked me back and and so i think there's a lot of that and People that are out in the trenches, like Sylvia and I, are caught in the middle of all of this nonsense, and it's irritating as heck because the hard work of managing and governing the state of Wisconsin is not happening. So, are you that, hearing that, specific concerns about these bills from leadership, no, 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 from your colleagues, no, and what are no, the obstacles? No, I'll give you some good news in a second. Um, other, other than it's just a lot, you know, it's just all of a sudden you've got this this funnel. Um, and if you, the uh, Goldblatt's book called the the Goal, um, you know, there's all these Herbies are coming down and they're jamming things up, and all of a sudden, you know, you got to pick winners and losers, and some folks are getting left on the beach, and and so I hope that's not. Do you not think the case. these bills will make it no, across the finish line? No, I will tell you just today, and your point is exact, exactly well taken. We have we have police force, we have uh, chambers of commerce, we have specific industries, we have unions, um, we have all everybody and his brother that you can possibly imagine is in support of these bills and it has done great yeoman's work in drawing attention to these bills and say look if you can only do if you got 10 bills in front of you you can only do two do these two and so again even just today um we uh got word that we picked up another uh senator on the republican side so chances are that's going to get a hearing for um, aba 22 the occupational license bill um you know i i, I don't remember which for the, the <laughs> sure. two bills that we're working on um and that the the author over there senator james had was hopeful this morning that they would get a hearing uh or they would try to get that on the floor and passed on the 20th in the senate I have had conversations with the speaker and we will be discussing in caucus tomorrow uh, to see, all right, can we get this on the floor here in the next uh, week or so? And so again, I'm optimistic that these will survive because it just makes sense. 
And, what and are keep next in mind, steps if, keep if in mind there's no there's no fiscal cost to this stuff. This is just common sense. Let's get everybody working and pulling and rowing in the right direction. What are next steps if these bills, if all of the package of bills doesn't make it? Are you planning on reintroducing together next session? Like keep going yep. at it? Absolutely. Now the fact Absolutely. that I was the fact that I was redistricted out of my district by 581 feet is not going to help very much. But we will come back next time anyhow, uh, and we will uh, take another run at them. But I'm hoping that's not going to have to happen. I think it is such common sense. And like I said, when you've got states like Alabama, Tennessee, and Utah who already see the wisdom of doing this then this is what we should be doing. We should have all of our residents working and pulling in the same direction and, and, and becoming great taxpayers to the state of Wisconsin and building their families here. Representative Ortiz Velez, are, are DACA immigrants more deserving of these special considerations than other undocumented immigrants that have been living in Wisconsin for a long time? There might be a perception about that and I'm wondering how you respond. Well, certainly, um, <clears throat> I, I think with DACA recipients, there are some distinctions. Um, firstly, that it, it was not their fault on how they got here. Um, so many of them were only the age of seven on average uh, when they did arrive. Um, also, they're very well vetted. Uh, as we know, uh, they do background extensive background checks. Um, and so they are documented and they are eligible to work in our country. Um, that's another key factor. They are otherwise eligible to work. and it makes no sense for Wisconsin to sit on the sidelines and not utilize the, the workforce that we have. So when, we, when we, we take a look at, you know, immigration, this is not, these are not immigration bills. Um, these are workforce development bills. We took a look at, hey, what can Wisconsin do? What can we do um, to um, utilize the, what we have right here? Your bills, you know, clearly communicate support for DACA recipients in Wisconsin, but as you both know, the future of the DACA program nationally is really uncertain. Last week, AG Call joined a letter with 22 other attorneys general urging the federal courts, the, the future of the DACA program is in the federal courts right now, urging them to uphold the DACA program. That case in the Fifth Circuit Court was brought by Texas and eight other states asking the federal government to end the DACA program. Uh, AGs in that letter say that will cost the country $280 billion in national economic growth over the next decade. Representative Mako, I'll start with you. What do you think should be the future of the DACA program, knowing what you know about the benefits to Wisconsin? Um, well, again, I think that's nonsense because, you know, these are folks that already have driver's licenses. They all, and this is to Sylvia's comment, they already have driver's licenses. They already have social security cards. They already are working. They're already paying taxes. So um, this is almost a technicality here. Um, I, I think it's uh, uh, foolish um, to try and overturn that program. And then the other thing too, let's keep this in mind too, the DACA recipients now um, themselves have over 250,000 children who are now born here in the state of, uh, uh, in, in the United States and our residents, are, excuse me, our actual citizens now. And so um, I think it's extremely short-sighted if uh, if they try to overturn that. And I would hope that if they do, they would replace it with a policy that would allow uh, green cards and a pathway to citizenship. That's what's needed 
on that particular uh, group of folks. But I, again, that doesn't, mean that, that doesn't mean that I don't think we shouldn't finish that wall and have a conversation on what real immigration looks like. I always say euphemistically, we took our grandkids on, on a cruise and my goodness, let's put Disney in charge of the border for crying out loud because they can put thousands and thousands of people on a ship and we can go to five or six different countries and guess what? The right people get off and the right people get on every single time. And so I don't understand why we have a problem fixing that and then making sure we have quality folks that want to come into this country my my it, you don't have to go back very far to find my ancestors that immigrated here from belgium and so let's figure this out and uh, move forward but it does need to be done in an orderly way and i think sylvia and i have a, a great idea on at least part of that representative ortiz velez what do you think are you concerned about the future of the daca program is that something you hear about from your constituents people are concerned because of the uncertainty um, and even some people are considering maybe even looking at moving to Canada. Um, and they, and many of them have already gotten, you know, their education here in Wisconsin. Um, but just the uncertainty, it does, it does worry people. Um, but I'm not worried. I got to be honest. And I'm not worried because I know that um, people have realized the value um, of uh, these um, individuals. Um, and... Um, I think in the end, um, common sense will prevail. Yep. Last week, I'm sure you followed that Congress failed to pass a bill that would have uh, a, a major overhaul of the immigration system. The bill was criticized for many reasons, one of them being that it didn't address DACA recipients, didn't create a pathway to citizenship for these uh, citizens. Representative Mako, um, for these immigrants. One of the Republican senators said that this, even though there's agreement on the benefits of the DACA program across party lines, that the issue of supporting any undocumented group of immigrants has just become so toxic with the crisis at the southern border. Would you agree with that? Is that why there's this loggerheads around it, that toxicity of the issue? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the sadness. That's the sadness of a of a of a border policy that's run amok. Is you can't separate the quality individuals that we want to be here, just like every other group. If you read Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliers, he talks about the generational influxes that we've had in this country from even here in the state of Wisconsin, from the Polish folks, from the Belgian folks, from the Irish folks, from the German folks that all call Wisconsin home over the decades and that's what we have to differentiate those individuals from those that mean us harm. And, um, and so that's what is obfuscating a, an honest conversation about it. Representative Ortiz Velez, are there other areas of immigration policy that can be fixed through state legislation? I know some other states working on access to financial aid for DACA recipients. Are there some other ideas that you would hope to maybe work on in the future as Congress seems to be stalled? I don't right now at this time. I think these are a great set of bills. I can't think of anything at the top of my mind right now. And I think if you talk to them, they're not asking for that. They're just saying, you know what? Just get out of my way. Just let me do this. I will take care of all of that. If you talk almost to a person, wouldn't you say, Sylvia? Almost to a person, they go, hey, look, I'm going to be successful. 
I am changing the course of my generation and my family. And I'm going to do that whether you help me or not, whether I got to do it here or I do it in a different state, whether I do it here in the United States or I have to do it in Canada. One way or the other, we are going to make it. And that's the attitude that they have. And so I don't remember any of them asking, you know, that they need anything other than please stop getting in my way. Yeah, that's the general feeling I get is people just want government to kind of get out of their way. So if there's anything in in the future, if there's anything else that we find where government's getting in their way, certainly that's something we can look at. But this is definitely a huge area where we're just getting in our own way. And I apologize. Uh, Representative Mako, I wanted to, and we, we just have a little bit of time, and I want to make sure I ask you about Congressman Mike Gallagher, who just uh, resigned or said he will not be running for re-election from Congress. And that comes on the heels of a somewhat controversial vote he took where he refused to impeach the Homeland Security Secretary, he received a lot of backlash from the Republican Party, uh, and that that uh, impeachment was really over the Homeland Security's handling of the U.S.-Mexico border. Do you, how do you feel about Congressman Gallagher's vote on that issue, and whatever you might want to say about that? Um, first of all, Mike Gallagher is, a, is an amazing American, and we're very, very lucky to have him. He's a brilliant, uh, he's the type of leader that we really want to have. He's got two master's degrees, he's got a PhD, he speaks fluent Farsi, uh, he served our country well in the military, uh, and he served our country and our state very, very admirably in the last eight years. Um, but I think he's just like me in that, you know, he weighs the pros and cons, and he actually wants to do things rather than talk about doing things. So his vote, I totally supported his vote this week. It was foolish, just like some of the folks in our in, in our state are talking about the Megan Wolf conversation. But, you know, it's we have to actually do things that actually can get done. The notion that we want to take a vote on either side just to prove a point is silly. I mean, I would rather actually do things than talk about doing things. And so if that would have caused uh, some change in the policy or the change in the office, let's keep in mind that folks impeached President Clinton and he didn't go anywhere. And they impeached President Trump and he didn't go anywhere. So let's just be realistic about where we're going with some of these things and concentrate on stuff that actually has to get done and can be done. Can we just talk about governing like Sylvia and I are talking about here and leave all of that other peripheral nonsense alone? Because, And so I think Mike understands that he's an extremely pragmatic person. And, uh, and I honestly don't think that that vote had anything at all to do with his decision to no longer run. I think he um, has- Are you a potential candidate for that congressional seat? I know you've expressed some interest in higher office. You should see my phone, Lisa. Um, So um, I will tell you that um, being in Congress is an extreme, it's still contrary to all all of the negativity, Congress is still an extremely noble place and a noble endeavor for any American to be, uh, uh, to aspire to. And it is something I take extremely. Um, uh, Are you uh, being encouraged seriously. to run for that seat already? It's it's something I take extremely seriously when certain folks at certain levels are having those conversations. But I have at least two to four weeks worth of heavy duty work to do here uh, in the 88th district. And that's what we're concentrating on right now. Representative Ortiz Velez, I'll give you the final word on this issue in our conversation today. I, well, I just want to I just want to say that I'm so grateful, Representative Mako, for having the heart to make these 
pragmatic changes and to work across the aisle with us and uh, with me and others and so many people. Uh, I want to thank uh, and that's really been part of a coalition of people working bipartisanly um, just to really look at areas where we can, you know, uh, have common ground and this is definitely one of them so i'm so grateful for um, all the work and the in the experience that i've gotten to have in doing these bills and other bills in the house i, I appreciate thank well, you it sounds like we will continue to see your joint work going forward and we thank both of you for joining us thank you thank you for having us and thank you to the viewers of Newsmakers. Be sure to tune in again as we highlight the issues and sit down with the decision makers who make a difference for all of us. You have been watching a production of Wisconsin Eye, your unfiltered window into legislative deliberations and public policy programming, where our mission is to provide Wisconsinites an opportunity to access the legislative process and connect with conversations that inform our citizenry. Please consider supporting our mission, and thank you for watching. Wisconsin Eye. Policy made public.